Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Let's give a little love and praise to God for that band this morning. Hey, it's great to see each and every one of you. Thanks for coming out. I'm Pastor Dennis, and what a wonderful day it is to be together and to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy 160th, Gingsburg. We're so grateful to be here today. Amen? When the 1985 movie, Back to the Future, fictional character Marty McFly got into his time machine DeLorean and went back to 1955 and discover that the events of the past shape the present and the future. And over the last several months, we have been telling stories about the past. And we have seen, haven't we, how our past has shaped our reality today. And we are standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And so as we come on this day, we simply say thank you to God, and we look towards the future with hope. And so I have the privilege and opportunity to share God's Word with you today, a teaching today from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and basically it's Moses's final sermon to the Hebrews as they are getting ready to go across the Jordan River into the promised land. And he is pouring out his heart. He does not go with them. He dies on Mount Nebo, but he has some very important things to share with them as they step out into the future. <laughs> as they step out into this new season, and I believe some relevant things to say to us as we launch into our new season here at Gingsburg. And so let's look together at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. The first thing that we see from this message, I believe, that speaks to us is that Moses is saying to them, and he's saying to us, remember the past with gratitude. Remember the past with gratitude. It's easy to forget what God has done. And what Moses is basically saying is, you didn't get here on your own. It was God who brought you to this place and is bringing you into this new land. Let's check out the scripture. Verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Remember, 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 remember God was the one. He was reminding them that God was the one who led them out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, out of Pharaoh's hand. He delivered them from Pharaoh's army, right? God was the one who parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. God was the one who provided for their basic needs by sending manna from heaven in the wilderness. And God was the one 
who led them through the wilderness during the day with a cloud and at night a pillar of fire. It was God. It was God. It was all God. Back in the glory days of the Chicago Bulls, for those that are old enough to remember those days, there was a night in which Michael Jordan scored 69 points. It was a blowout game for the Bulls. And with two minutes to go in the game, they took Michael out to a standing ovation and put the second stringers in. And one guy who was a rookie came off the bench in which it's a few seconds to go before the clock ran out. He scored two meaningless free throws and they won the game. About six months later, a reporter was interviewing this rookie and asked, What's been the highlight of your NBA basketball career to date? He said, well, that's easy. It was a night that Michael Jordan and I scored 71 points together. You know, God and Kingsburg have done a pretty good thing over the years, right? But we know it's been God. It's been God. It's been all God. Anybody out there? Anybody believe in that? Somebody once said, if you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post, no, it didn't get up there on its own. <laughs> uh -huh, think about that. Somebody had to put it there. And we look around and we see the great history and Dan Bracken's and the media team's been sharing it all the last month. And we see all, it's easy to pat ourselves on the back when we know that without the Spirit of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, all these things are shame an embarrassment to the kingdom. We need more than just all these worldly things. We, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, and we've seen that over the last 160 years. And so we are not to forget. Many of us, we're not even part of some of this great movement. And so I know for myself, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of others, and I'm grateful. And I say, thank you, Jesus, for bringing us to this place. But that's not the end of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, right? That's not the end of the story. There's more. And Moses knew, as God had worked in the past, God had something even greater in the future. See, the promised land was out before them. And they were getting ready to take the land with the assistance of a new dreamer, Joshua, who said, we can do it. When others said, when the majority report said it can't be done, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. Let's go with God. Let's seize the day. And Moses was sending them out. And that leads us to our second point today. And that is that Moses was saying, serve with gladness today. Look at verse 7. For the Lord now is bringing you into a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. See, under Moses, because of their faithlessness, they had been in the wilderness for how many years? For 40 years. And the Sinai is a barren place. It's a desolate place. I've been there personally. There's nothing there. Not a lot of tourists actually want to spend a lot of time there unless they're just going through or at least talking about what happened there as pilgrims. But it's, it's not a, that popular of a place just to hang out on vacation. But God was taking them into a better land, a land flowing of milk and honey, a, a land of valleys and streams and rivers and trees and pomegranates and grapes and, and blessing. God was taking them into a good land that was before them, and they were excited. But if we're always looking back to the past, we will forget what, what God has done. My first Sunday here about 13 months ago, seems like yesterday, seems like forever ago, 
But we looked at Philippians chapter 3, that passage, beautiful with Paul, leaving the past behind. I, I now, I'm stepping out into the future. I press on because, you know, the goal is Jesus. And I use this illustration. Somebody remember, I discovered a truth of life one day when I was in my car that my rear view mirror is about this big. Sorry, I don't have my hands here. I got to hold this mic. But my windshield is this big. Now, which one should I spend most of my time looking at or looking through? I'd wreck my car if I spent all my time in that rearview mirror. <laughs> that rearview mirror, that's a glance window, not a look window. And yet what churches will do, come on now, what churches will do, they'll spend all the time in the rearview mirror. I'm so grateful that those faithful people in the past, they didn't spend a lot of time just always living in the past. They never would have seized the day for, for their season. Just think in 1979 and 1980 when the church grew from 90 to 60, as Mike Sauter tells us often. If people would have said, you know, I don't know. You know, we need to remember what we did back in the 40s. We got to just stay calm, cool, and collective. What would have happened then? But these people knew that for such a time as this, that God had a new plan for them, a plan that would eventually literally touch the world, touch the world in Jesus' name. Thanks be to God. I want to say this. Show me a church whose best days are in the past. Show me a church whose memories are larger than their future dreams. And I'll show you a church that's on its way to the cemetery. I'll show you a church that's dying. I want to let you know as lead pastor, I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward. And I'm asking you, oh, dreamer, take my hand. And let's walk into the promised land together. Because we're walking with Jesus. Not into the unknown. Maybe to us. But it's known to God. And I'm so grateful for those people in the past who saw God's vision for them in their season. But now we're in a new day. For God is bringing you into a new land. But I want to say this blessing is conditional. All throughout the Bible, we see this if-then statements. Meaning, if you do this, I will do this. It's, it's not guaranteed. Just because we're Ginsburg, it's not guaranteed. Several times in this chapter, verse 1, verse 6, verse 19, we see this blessing is going to come if you stay true to my word, if you obey my word, if you obey my scriptures, if you depart from this word, Gingensburg, my hand of blessings taken off of you. That's three times in this passage. May we always be about Jesus. May we always be about loving God and loving our neighbor. For that is the greatest commandment. That is our call. And friends, that is our mission. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save the lost. And so that's what business we're in. We ask the question, how's business at Gingersburg these days? Well, it's pretty good as we're focusing on the Lord. One of the things that we're going to see over the next few months, 
we're, we're feeling led and we're feeling called and more is coming out to, to totally immerse ourselves even more for this new day into our community. And you're gonna hear more about that through our CMO, our Christmas miracle offering. We're gonna stay local this year and we're gonna pour out God's love, amen, upon Miami County and Montgomery County through New Path and reintroducing that in a strong way in uh, new creation and clubhouse. And we're going we're, we're gonna to just be a church that's loving people over the next several months, even more. And it takes more than the staff, but each of us together, because we know people who may seem a little bit hesitant to the church are still watching. They're still looking. Now, some don't know that they need the love of God, but but, but God knows, and they're watching to see, are they real? Is what he's saying is true today? Does he really live like that at home? Does he really treat his wife that way, you know, kind of a thing? And let us be a witness. Let me tell you a little story here of how I started to learn that even more, and I, I'm still learning. You know, m- many of you know that uh, I pastored 20 years ago just as a young preacher in Piqua as we uh, just moved into the new church up there by the high school. It was so exciting. And we were, we were praying at the time for our, our season, which was different than this season, what was God's next. And, and as we were, were praying, uh, I was, of course, hanging around some bikers, being a motorcyclist. And, and so uh, some of my friends came to me and said, hey, you know, kind of the latest thing, and this was, again, 20 years ago, is to have these outreaches biker blessings, especially targeted a lot to, to some of the men in the church who didn't really come that much, but just kind of give them some fellowship and also reach their friends and neighbors. And they said, Pastor, would, would, could we do something like that at our church? And that, and that sounds kind of commonplace today. And, and, but yet back then, that was a big deal. And so, you know, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I went to the, to the church manual, to the Methodist discipline, looked under B for biker, didn't see anything. So, you know, what should we do? Went to the church board and he said, we just want to have a day where we kind of you know, dress down a little bit and casual. And even though the church was a little bit uh, casual at the time anyway, but still, this was going to be something a, a little to stretch them. And so they said, hey, we believe in you. Game on, Pastor. Let's, let's do it. And so, so we called the Dayton Daily News. We made a big deal about it, you know. We thought, we thought we're going to just go all out. And for us, it was a big, big deal. About 600 people showed up that day, 105 bikes. And, you know, we, we, we thought, yeah, hey, thanks, God. What a, what a day. And we were just kind of basking in our own selves, you know, how sometimes it goes. Preachers never admit that, but sometimes they do. <laughs> and uh, it was Monday then. I got this call in my office. I said, Pastor Dennis. Yes. Hey, I got a challenge for you. You say you want to reach people on the other side of the cross. You say you really want to reach this community that you've had this big event for. You want to reach bikers? I got a challenge for you. I know somebody's fallen on hard times, and they're working with a social worker now. They're not in very good health, and they need some help around the house. They need some chores, and they don't really have anyone, no family anymore, and they've fallen on hard times. Could you meet them? And and uh, by the way, they said they don't like preachers, but but you can. But they need some help. <laughs> now I was just a young pastor, and I've learned a little bit since then. I should have said, hey, let's go. You come with me. <laughs> but I didn't do that. I said, okay, well, give me the name of the social worker and we'll try to connect. And 
And so then I started finding out about this person. We'll call him, he went by Viper. We'll call him that. It's a different nickname, but, but I'll share that. He, he has passed away since, since then. And I began to ask some of the friends in the upper Miami Valley and Miami Valley about this person. They said, oh, no, he's been trouble. He's tough stuff. He's the real deal. He's a one percenter, if you know what that is. He says, I've, I've been, and I talked to some police officers who said, oh, but he's fallen on hard times. And, you know, he's had a lot of health issues. And, and so, so I'm already a little bit nervous about this. But I had prayed like you're praying today, but we want to reach people on the other side of the cross. So I decided that I would get the address and drive by his house here in the upper Miami Valley a day before. And let me tell you, it was my worst nightmare. I went by the house and it looked like a hideout. Place was overgrown. There was a big couch on the front porch. Sign out front that said, beware a dog. Another sign that said something like, don't worry about the dog, beware of owner. And then I looked up and I saw this person. It was him. It was Viper. He was sitting on the front porch. This dude was huge. Now, he was older, but he was huge. He, had, he was just covered with hair, hair down to the floor almost. Couldn't really tell, but looked like 6'5", 300-some pounds. I said, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> and so I went back to Piqua, and I called my buddy. He's sitting right over there. You can talk to him, Daryl Cress. It's true, Pam. You talk to him about this. And I said, I need you to go with me. He said, okay. And so we scheduled a time, and the, and the next morning we, we got together, and we, of course, we had to wear our leather jackets and chaps and all that. You know, if you're going to meet Satan, you might as well go dress for it, right? At least in our minds, we were thinking that. So we finally got up to the house, and I just said one thing, just, just let this person know that they're going to have a guest today. Now, I'm not sure they knew it was the preacher coming. <laughs> Some of you are saying, here it comes. So we start walking up through this overgrown yard. I'm near the house, and the dog is barking, and this dog's really loud. <laughs> and my heart, my old heart is just, you know, I'm in my, my 30s, early 30s, and my heart's just racing. And I look back, and there's Daryl. He's back by the car, Pam. And I look back to him. I'm not making this stuff up. I said, you coming? And he goes, no, I thought I would stay back a little bit here. You know, if you get shot, I'll be already halfway out of here. <laughs> That's what friends are for, right? And so he came on up, knocked on the door. The dog is just, the viper just cracks the door. <laughs> and he's holding the dog. He doesn't say anything, literally. He just points over to the couch for us to sit down. So we sit down, then he comes out, and I just start talking. Just start talking. Not even sure what I said. <laughs> talking about help, talking about community, talking about bikes. And as we began to unpeel the onion there, he led us into the house. This is what I want you to hear. It's why I'm telling the story today. He led us into his house. And it was surreal for me at that age because I'm thinking of the reputation of all the things that the community had heard about this person that I was standing in the, in the house of the most notorious outlaw biker of the Miami Valley. 
And as I was looking around, I was checking it out. He lived there by himself. And I noticed a picture with a frame on the wall that was a beautiful countryside picture and had the words printed on it, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. I learned over time that Viper grew up in church. He had an evangelical conversion. He was born again as an older teenager and went all in for a while. Even one of his first jobs was in church work in, in some ways, selling Bibles. But then, like many people here in the Miami Valley, he got hurt. I don't know what happened, but he got let down. Do you know anyone like that? Maybe under the sound of my voice, that's you today. He got hurt by the church. He got hurt what he felt was Christianity, the Christian faith, the Jesus movement. And he said, I don't want anything to do with that hypocrisy. And he walked away. And simply to find a place that he'd be loved and he would find identity in this band together of bikers that he became known. Now, there are a lot of stories and people all over our area, our neighbors, even our family members, perhaps, who have a story like that. Maybe, maybe not motorcycles, but, but they have that story. The Viper was open to us because we were willing to stretch out our hands and give our hearts. That's not the perfect ending. We, we didn't fulfill all the promises that we wanted to do at the time. Life happened. But yet, it taught me a lesson that people are longing, they're searching for belonging and meaning. And friends, that's our call. God wants to take us to a place that we've never been before. And that's the story of this church that we, we connected with something beyond ourselves. And Moses is saying, I've brought you. It's God who's actually brought you. You didn't get here on your own. Look at God's hand upon your life. And God wants to take you to a place that you've never been before. Supernatural signs and acts. God, miracles. Anybody awake this morning? And God wants to do it. If you're willing. But it all comes down to surrender. In fact, I said this was a sermon, right? The book of Deuteronomy was a message. Here's how he ends the message and how I'm going to end today. Chapter 31, verse 6, he says this. Now, here we go. We're getting ready to launch off into the deep. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. See, God's not just right beside us. God's ahead working in the viper life. He's, he's ahead working in these families, his spirit. It's called prevenient grace, as Wesleyan's friends. God's already at work. God's already been at work here at Gingsburg for years. Now we've got to join what God is doing and reconciling the world to himself. God is, will personally go ahead of you. And then he promises this, he will neither fail or abandon you. I spent some time in the ark, in the original building this week, praying. 
And what the Lord spoke to my heart is this. I want you just, as we close, I want you to look around here. I just want you to look around all these people. And we have a huge online audience. Well, think of them. I want you to look at around this 127 acres here. I want you to look at that building. Think about the avenue. Think about Fort McKinley. Those who attend there every week, think about, some of you were there before it was Gingsburg, right? What we need to realize and just affirm today is all of this is not simply for us. It's not just for our pleasure. Even though we enjoy faith, family, food, amen? But it's not simply for us. God has something to do here. And he wants to use us for his glory. And guess what? We'll receive the blessing in it. Amen. And I want you to know that I'm more determined today than any time in my life to grasp hold the hands of those who are in the foxhole with me. Amen. I'm determined to point my finger in the face of the devil and unload every ounce of anointing that God has given this church because God's got a plan for us. We're going to herald the coming of the Son of God. Amen. So I want to invite you to stand, if able. If you're able to stand, it all comes down to surrender. God's going to use His people. will use us. Some of you have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today can be your new day. God can give you a new start, a new beginning, a clean slate in life. Through Jesus' work on the cross, He's already done the work for us. We just surrender. We we hold up the white flag and say, Lord, I surrender to you. And no greater day than a day like this that we can mark this day of August 27th that I gave my heart to Jesus. We do it by faith that we say, Lord, I turn from everything I know is wrong. I, and I, I turn and put that under the cross. I repent, Lord. I believe and I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. And I receive salvation in the Holy Spirit today. If that's your prayer today, you pray that in Jesus' name. And then I want to encourage you to tell someone about it. Mark this day. Talk to Pastor Carl or talk to me or one of the pastors or just Fitz or anyone around today and share that good news that we might partner with you as well. I want to invite everyone just to, if you're able, to put your palms up, maybe Stretch out your hands as if you're surrendering or prayer. And let's just give the next few weeks and, and months and years, the next 160 if, if the Lord tarries, right? Let's just give God ourselves in this ministry, in this Jesus movement. It's already God's, but we just acknowledge it. Lord, you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to myself. <laughs> We're worrying about church growth. We're worrying about numbers. We're worrying about this. And you said, if I be lifted up, and we knew that, of course, was a prophecy on the cross, but we lift you up today. We lift up Jesus today. And all the world may know that you are God. We believe that you're the answer, Jesus. And so we thank you for your call that you've included even us, that all are welcome at your table. For as many as received him, to them they gave the rights to become the children of God for those who believe in his name. And we surrender ourselves. We surrender our agenda, the preacher's agenda. We surrender the Gingsburg brand that we're something else. Oh, God, save us from that. 
thank you, God, that we can just be your child and help us to go to those who are waiting, to those who are hurting, as we take your hand and we launch into the future. For this is our prayer, and we pray it in the only name, the name of all names, the matchless name of Jesus. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Give God some praise. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.